0: Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie.
1: Welcome, everybody. It's our February show, and we honor the month of love. Welcome to the Love Doctor show. I've got another love doctor here in studio with me. I always love spring because it's about rebirth, and new life, and new things that are coming forth. We celebrated Valentine's Day this past Sunday. So this is my valentine to all my listeners and those people who have touched my life. I always start off with my honorable mentions, so I'm going to name drop a little bit. For February, these are the following people who are out there who have celebrated their birthdays. Dr. Bernard Bendock who's my neurosurgeon friend from Mayo, who's been on our show several times. Linda Johnston in Scottsdale. Susie Wiley in Scottsdale. Eileen Hovey. Katie McCullough just had a birthday. My dear friend Leslie Reidenauer has been on our show. She just celebrated. Allie Zimmerman had a birthday. Jim McDowell's birthday is coming up. Bob McGann, who is the father of my daughter-in-law, is having a birthday. Rob Harden has a birthday on Sunday. Kimberly Yee, our state treasurer, has a birthday. Sandy Scarsella and Rex Mays are having a birthday. So happy birthday, all of you. I also want to do a special honorable mention to Suzanne and Dimitri in Arizona and Dan in Colorado and also to new listeners, Anne and Dick in Snowmass, Marie and Bill in Carefree. February is a very special month for me since it is my late husband John's birthday this coming February 21st. So happy birthday, sweetheart in heaven. Uh, It was this show about two years ago that was his last show with me, and we talked about the power of partnerships, about what makes for a great relationship, and he taught me that, and that was his last show that we celebrated. Also, he is celebrating in heaven with a patient of mine, a former patient of mine who's been advanced to heaven, Ronald Moore, who passed away on the first of this month, his wife Gloria, who is in Michigan is listening today. Hi, Gloria, and I wanna thank her for letting me share their story. I think a lot of us learn so much from those who have passed and I I know it's weird, but I I like reading obituaries because it's sort of the cliff notes of people's lives and I try to get as much as possible about what what they brought into this world and what they were like. I know it doesn't give the full breadth of a human being, but I think it really helps. And I I wanted to share something beautiful that Gloria sent me. She sent me this card, this beautiful card from Ron's memorial. It's got this gorgeous picture of his handsome, smiling face. And on it, it has this poem. And as you recall, when they list somebody's tombstone, they put on this tombstone, they put your birth date, and they put the date of death, and there's a dash in between. So I'm going to read you this dash poem that Gloria sent me. It was a poem written by Linda Ellis. And I want to share it because it puts a lot of perspective into the little things in life that bother people and and shows you what the big things in life are about. So let me share this, this poem by Linda Ellis that was sent to me by Gloria Moore on the occasion of her husband's passing. It's called The Dash Poem. I read about a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend, he referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was a dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read, with your life's actions to rehash, Would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? So thank you all for listening to that. I I loved hearing that. I loved sharing it. And what Gloria wrote for Ronald was, he ran the dash to the finish line. Ron was a runner. He was a marathon runner. That allowed him to live almost, he almost made it to his 86th birthday, lived a long, good life. So happy birthday in heaven, Ron. I hope you and John are celebrating. And Gloria, I am with you in this journey in widowhood. Uh, It's a tough one. And this show is also dedicated to you as somebody who lost the lover for life. So thanks for that. So our theme is love. So why is love so important? What's the big deal about love? So many songs. Most songs are written about love. And when I interview our, our guests today, we're going to talk a lot about love because that's probably the biggest complaint and concern people have. It's matters of the heart. And I'm an internist, so I know about cardiology. I do a lot of internal medicine. But when I sit down and talk to my patients, it's the affairs of the heart that really bring the most distress to them. You know, we can talk about cholesterol and EKG and stenosis and cancer, but in the end, the underlying issue in the room is how much love is in their life. So what's love about? Well, love gives us assurance that we are not alone in this world. Love runs the world around us. Can you die of a broken heart? They call it Cupid's curse, where you really do die of a broken heart. They have said that mortality rate temporarily increases after a spouse's death. So for those of you out there who know a widow or a widower or a friend who's lost a partner, just check in on them, okay? I know that after my husband died over 19 months ago, my friends kept checking in on me. One of my friends, Marie, who lost her husband, Jay, who is a patient of mine, said that her girlfriends would check on her every night by sending a text at the end of the day saying, are you okay? And when Marie would get home, she'd send a text saying, I'm home, just to make sure somebody's doing that. I know I would send a text to my big sister, Maddie, or my my assistant, Sally, to say, I'm home, I'm okay. My office staff even want to program my phone so they knew my whereabouts in case I went missing. They just wanted to make sure I was okay. That So really, for those people who are grieving, don't leave them alone, Right. They may want to grieve in silence, especially male, the males out there, the, the widowers. Don't, I mean, they'll try to be stoic, but they're hurting. So reach out and just say, hey, just checking on you, just checking on you. There is something called the broken heart syndrome. In 1959, there was a study that inc- that demonstrated an elevated risk of mortality for widowed individuals under the age of 35, And it's usually those with cardiovascular conditions. There was a similar study in 1963 published in Lancet, which reported a 40% increase in mortality in the first six months after a spouse's death, followed by return to normal mortality in the five years after that. So losing your love can be deadly. So love gives us a reason to live. And when there's no reason to move on, there's no more love, people give up. And I've seen that. My oldest patient died three years ago. She made it to 102. And why did she die at 102? She decided she was all done. In her last physical with me, I pointed out that her pacemaker battery was due to be renewed. And she says, don't you do it. Do not renew my battery. I am done. And I said, well, if we don't renew your battery, your heart rate will stop. You won't have a heartbeat. And she looks at me and says, everyone I've ever loved is gone. I don't need to be here. So I respected that. I called her children who were in their 80s. We had hospice work with her, and she was in assisted living. And she passed away silently. Three weeks later, she just stopped eating, and she moved on. One of my dear friends, Tony, her Papa, her grandfather, passed away about a week ago. I reached out to her and asked what happened. I thought COVID, and she says, no, he didn't die from COVID. He died of a broken heart. His wife, her grandmother, had died after 60 years of marriage. He just gave up. So we talk about losing a physical love, the the separation through death, but all of us, every single one of us, has been through the separation of a relationship, the ending or the cessation or severance of a relationship, right? Every single one of us has had unrequited love, a broken relationship, separation, divorce. I, for one, have been through people rejecting me growing up. I've been through divorce. I've been through death. So I know it well. So the question I have is, is there a life after the death of a relationship? But even more important, can there be love again? So this show explores... The goal to live on with the hope for many to one day love again. And one of the things that comes to mind is my friends in the mystical world like to tell me that they look at the words, the letters in the word word life, and they say life stands for love in full expression. And I really like that. So if you look at the letters in the word life, it's love in full expression. So, to experience life fully, you have to experience love and experience it fully. So, our special guest on this show is someone who knows all about life and love and who's also a dear friend of mine, one of my soul sisters, and who's a very talented, very creative, very gifted therapist. But I call her, she's the soul doctor. She's a love doctor, she's a soul doctor. She's my most favorite guest because this is her fifth time on the show, right? fifth you know third times a charm fifth times a blessing i think that's great for me to have my friend dr julie tna with me so let me share a little bit about dr julie dr julie tna is a licensed clinical psychologist and eating dis- uh, disorder expert. She is the founder and clinical director of a new beginning, a- Arizona's premier outpatient treatment facility that specializes in the treatment and full recovering of all eating disorders, depression, anxiety, trauma, abuse and relationship issues. She is also the co-founder and clinical director of the Healthy Way Out Circle of Hope, an innovative online global educational program that is helping emotional and binge eaters from all over the world fully resolve their problematic relationship with food, body, and self to attain true freedom from overeating for lasting health and well-being. In 2018, Dr. Julie was invited to join the prestigious faculty of Mayo Clinic School of Medicine where she serves as a consultant and guest lecturer in the area of eating disorders for the medical students of Mayo Clinic Scottsdale. Lastly, she is a seasoned marriage and relationship therapist who loves helping couples travel deep into a space of meaningful emotional intimacy within their relationship in order to experience authentic relational connection on an emotional, physical, and sexual level to create true satisfaction and fulfillment within their coupleship. She loves to write about the intricacies and challenges of love, relationships, and life. Her blog is oftentimes a personal... Chronicle of the Most Beautiful and Messy Moments Within the Existential Processes of Life. And on our website, we've listed also how you can find Dr. Julie on Instagram, Facebook, and a anewbeginning.com. So welcome, Dr. Julie. Welcome to our show. Connie, it is always a pleasure. Happy to be here. I'm going to uh, ask one question before we go to a quick break. But the question I have is, and we're going to explore it after our break, when love is gone physically, in the case of my friends and myself in the death of a partner, what happens to the, the survivor? I, one of the things I mentioned to you before is when my women patients lose their husbands, they grieve. And when my male patients lose their wives, and become widowers, they replace. Why is that the case? Well, men tend to remarry At
2: 61% of the time, after the loss of a spouse, men remarry, and women are only 19%. So I think that there's a number of reasons. First of all, I think that a, a female spouse is a man's best friend. It's their primary support system. But for a woman, that's not necessarily the case. Women rely on other women to support them men rely on their wives. So when a man loses his wife, he's very, very lost. And so I think they tend to want to replace that primary support person, whereas women have lots of other options to support them through life. So I think that that's the primary reason for that statistic. But the other reason is that, you know, statistically, women outlive men. So, you know, Women also tend to marry men that are older. So by the numbers, there are fewer men available to to widows.
1: Oh, that's an interesting thing you put. Actually, among my my very successful women friends who've divorced or moved on to a new relationship, they've tended to marry younger men. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had friends who uh, have their second or third husbands are 15, 16 years younger and are very happy with that. We're up for a break, and we have so much to explore in this show, so stay tuned on House Calls with Dr. Connie and Dr. Julie TNA to talk about life and moving on with love in our relationships. So stay tuned on House Calls.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought... Which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano.
4: I've heard about her. She's
1: board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the
3: president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president.
1: I'm going to call her office now and join her
3: practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is a doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com.
4: To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com.
0: Friend
2: us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment.
0: You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's one 346 9141 You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie.
1: We're talking about love in the month of February, and Dr. Julian A. and I are, are were discussing what happens when you lose your love through death. And she quoted statistics that widowers remarry 61% of the time and widows remarry 19% of the time. And Dr. Julie, why is that the case? Why is it only 19% of the time for widows to remarry? Well, you know, we talked before the break about the fact
2: that, you know, men, really their primary support person is their Wife, right? So they're going to seek that out again. But women, you know, have other women friends. They rely on their adult children, their community, sometimes their church. They can diversify a lot more. Women tend to live longer, right? So there are actually fewer men available to remarry. But the other thing, and this is my own kind of personal angle that I look at this, is that how many times, especially of generations of the past, have women been disempowered in their marital relationship? Mm-hmm. A lot of times, again, especially of generations of the past, women who are emotionally oppressed, they feel trapped and they stay in these marriages. And so once there is the death of a spouse in that situation, women actually feel liberated. Mm-hmm. They step into their own for a lot of times, the first time in their lives, they're not taking care of a spouse, they're not raising children. You know, they're not necessarily responsible for grandchildren, and they can explore themselves and their life for the first time. They
1: probably have financial independence depending on how the, much the husband took care of them afterwards. Yeah. You know, it brings to mind the statistics. I know among my patients, most of my male patients who have been widowed um, widowers, have remarried within a year. Usually, they're dating within with, within three to four months. But what struck me a couple of weeks ago in my clinic, in one single day, I had back-to-back women patients who were in their 80s who were widows for, for at least five years. And the first one I saw was had just turned 80, and she brought her new husband with her, and he was 92. And her husband, her first husband, had died five years prior. He had cancer. They were married 60 years. And his last words to her was, I want you to keep going to church. And she's, well, sweetheart, I always go to church. He goes, no, make a point to go to church. So and she continued her life doing the things after he died. And she met this pleasant gentleman at church one day. And he was a widower. I had been widowed for, oh, gosh, maybe 10 years and they struck up a friendship and they fell in love and they got married in the middle of the pandemic in February of last year. Uh, she was 79, he was 91. <laughs> so, and I said, well, how is that? She says, I, it, it's great. She says, we finish each other's sentences. We're at the stage in our life. We, we're comfortable together. We're safe together. We enjoy traveling together. She says, I don't care how much time we have left. She says, it's the time we spend. it's the quality. Now, right after her, I had another patient whose husband was a patient of mine before he died five years prior, and he had he had ALS. God bless him. And she took care of him until his very end, died at home. And she uh, she had just turned her eighty. She had turned eighty, and she started dating about a year after her husband died. A year after his death, his business partner, who had known them for thirty years, was a widower approached her and says, I want to date you. And she goes, oh, I don't date anybody. I'm I'm fine. He goes, no, no, I, I think we should just be good friends. So they struck up a friendship. Uh, and she has not married him, decided not to. She has kept her assets se- separate. She kept her home. And he moved out and has a home down the street. They would travel together. They would get together occasionally. But she likes her freedom, as as you mentioned uh her autonomy uh, to manage her affairs as she wishes, and if she wants to see him, great. If not, she's perfectly happy. Yeah. And you sort of have to find what fits for you. Yeah, it fits for you. And I just thought it was an interesting example. But you know, the thing is, is about moving on. That's tough. And the majority, the listeners here, you know, the most of them are not this stage where they've they've lost a spouse. Thank God, but they've lost a loved one through a relationship, a divorce. I have a lot of people out there who are divorced. Let's say somebody gets divorced. How does one move on to make the right decisions next? I mean, is there a time you should wait before you date again after divorce? I mean, what do you recommend? Well, I think the first thing to know, and
2: this is whether you lose a spouse through death or you really lose a spouse through divorce. And I think that we do need to recognize that divorce, even when it's your own choice, even when it is a positive, uh, quote unquote, event, it is a loss. Okay, it's a loss of a dream. It's a loss of the foundation of your life, the way that you've always known it. It's a loss of a companion that you've had in the past, oftentimes someone that has been your best friend. So we need to recognize that it is a loss, and we need to recognize that there is going to be a need to grieve, okay? Even when it's our choice, we have to grieve. And the reason why I'm really stopping and I'm expressing this at this point is because if we bypass the grieving process, right, we don't want to hurt, we don't want to relive our loss, right? our heart is not going to be truly
1: fully healed and therefore open to the next love i think people get distracted don't you like somebody goes through divorce they're like woohoo i'm free i can do all the things i want to do or you know but do you think they get distracted or they just decide we're going to start i'm going to start dating again because that's I, what i've seen among- i
2: think that people don't like to hurt
1: yeah And
2: so people will do all sorts of things to sidestep the necessary slowing down, embracing the transition, embracing the loss, feeling it, grieving it so that you can fully move on in a way that's healthy. Because that's what we want to do, right? I believe that the heart has such a capacity to love many, many people in life. Even when your love has been the love of your life like John was for you, I truly believe that there is a capacity for love in this universe that is, I think, by far the greatest energy that we have. So we want to be able to be open to it in a way where our entire spirit can really enjoy the new love, okay? Too many times people are focused on reliving, okay? Especially if you've had a happy marriage and you lose your spouse through death, you want to relive, relive, relive. We need to grieve, put a healthy emotional period after that chapter in your life, and then we have to move forward to
1: recreate a new chapter okay i think it's i think what you bring up is the pause you know people don't want to pause and reflect i think one of the i say i call it my gift of the pandemic when the pandemic hit it was right in the middle of my bereavement and it forced me to stay home, not be distracted by travel or going out with my girlfriends and doing the things like shopping. All of those, I was forced to stay home, and really fully grieve and be. I think in the end, are you comfortable in your own skin? You know, are you comfortable in your own skin, and are you comfortable with that depth of emotion? Mm-hmm.
2: Because I will tell you, a loss, whether it is through divorce or it is through death it will bring you to your knees. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. The strongest, most courageous, most empowered individual will be brought to their knees and unexpectedly, you know, there is an inconsistency to the the grieving process that I think oftentimes takes people by surprise. And in the case of the divorce, it leads them to question, did I make the right decision? Mm-hmm. Because how can I be hurting so badly? How mm-hmm. can I feel so numb? Mm-hmm. How can I feel like you know my universe has been just kind of taken from me? And it's because there's been something that has been such a what you thought was going to be secure foundation of your life is now completely different and it's in transition. You haven't yet landed where you are gonna go next, and we have to tolerate that space. We have to tolerate our emotions, and we can't rush that process. I say this over and over and over again to my clients because I know that if they go through it authentically and deeply, they will be able to move forward without that raw pain and with a heart that is truly able to embrace this new wonderful love that's going to come in front of you so you can experience it differently and and just as grand, just as beautiful than you've
1: had in the past. One of the things that strikes me when you you talk about experiencing new love, it's what my, my patient Marie said to me. Uh, she made the comment, you know, because she has her boyfriend, her significant other. And actually, by the way, he's six years younger. He's, he's not older. So he's got a younger man. But she said, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think of my late husband. And every single day, she goes, he was the love of my life. But she said, but the man I'm with now, I love him. I love him in a different way. And the analogy I've used is, well, I have two children. I have two sons. I wouldn't pick either one. Over the other, I love them both in a different way. But I love them both. I I, I can't pick one over one the other. Yeah. That's so. I
2: love that because I think so many times when you have had a wonderful marriage and your spouse is gone, you feel guilty because you mm-hmm. feel like to love somebody else, to mm-hmm. lay with someone else, makes you disloyal yeah. To, yeah. to to the love that you've had, to the memories that you've shared, and. To me, and I have goosebumps as I'm saying this, it actually is a sentiment to how beautiful that love was. Because when we've loved once and we loved well, it opens up our heart to know that that kind of love is out there. And
1: we don't want to tolerate anything less. Do people change their selection of partners after a divorce? Do you tell them to For example, if they're dating somebody who reminds them of their ex, what do you tell them? If you're seeing the pattern, they're dating somebody who's exactly the carbon copy of that when they divorced.
2: I say life is a learning process. And if you are leaving a marriage due to divorce, whether it's your choice, the other person's choice, or mutual, take the gifts of learning what didn't work in that marriage you know <laughs> what were the needs that you had that maybe you didn't get met in that marriage mm-hmm. and go forward not with bitterness but with knowledge and awareness that says you know this time i need a man that has my intellectual you know mm-hmm. same capacity mm-hmm. or that has the energy or passion of my spirit You know, this time I need somebody that enjoys the same activities that I enjoy. All right. And I think we can and we should go into relationships with our eyes open, not just our hearts, but our eyes, because there's the biochemistry, certainly of love, but then there's also that companionship. You know, there is that, is this person responsive to me and my needs? Do I feel safe? Do I feel like we can have emotional intimacy? And those are all the ingredients of a long and deep and lasting relationship. So I say learn from your past relationships, not in a way that you're bitter, Mm -hmm. but in a way where you say, I'm going to take those lessons and I'm going to go forward so that my next relationship is enhanced by the life that I have just lived.
1: It's a good point. You got to know what you want. One of the things I, my patients who are seeking, I I always ask them, you know, do the list of your perfect mate. If you can ask the universe out there to send me my perfect mate. And actually, before John arrived, I did a list of my perfect mate. And I wrote a a number of things down. And it was our first, I don't even think it was a date. We actually sat down. It was going through my list. And he went through my list and told me why he was the right guy. And I realized as he was doing his less he, he was bold enough and had the courage. I said, I better date him because he's he's got more courage than I have. And yeah. I thought that's somebody who, who was feisty enough that I was looking for. So you gotta know what you want. Don't compromise. I think people are so used to saying, you know, when you're younger, you say, well, I've got to get married because all my friends are getting married, and I'll be the last one there. And it's like, you know, everyone's getting married. It's like, no, don't do that. I think, first of all, being whole within yourself,
2: first and foremost, is one of the most important things when we go out into the dating world, whether it's the first time around, Mm -hmm. who's really whole within yourself the first time (laughs) around, right? And especially the second time around, because, we need to be able to to look out for a companion out of want, mm-hmm. not out of need, okay? Mm-hmm. Out of you enhance my life, not I need you in my life to complete me or to take care of me financially or because I can't tolerate being alone and with myself, okay? So we need to be whole And then I do think we need to have a sense of what we want, and we have to slow things down so we truly get to know the other person and the other person in relationship with you. You can adore somebody, but if they step into a relationship with you and they truly don't know how to meet your needs, that's not the right person for you, right? So we have to look at how do I feel when I'm with this person, Do I feel better when I leave? Do I feel happy? Do I feel loved? Do I feel cherished, right? Do I feel enhanced? Do I feel excited? Those are really important things. And if you don't, be strong enough within yourself to pay attention to that.
1: Well, I get a lot of pushback saying, well, I don't want to hurt his feelings. We've been together all these years. We have so much invested. And yet they're miserable in these relationships. And guess what? Life is short.
2: Yeah. Last year when I was on the show, we talked about, you know, is it possible to find your soulmate? We talked about long-term relationships Mm -hmm. and what's possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the points that we really talked about is life is short. The goal is to be happy together, right? Not to Mm -hmm. just be together, but to be happy together. And if you're not, to be
1: strong enough to say
2: it's time for us to part and go our ways. That is
1: absolutely true. It's really the quality of your time. I was blessed to be with John for 11 years, married nine years, and that was unbelievable. I I can have that the rest of my life and be totally happy. So we're going to pause for a quick break and come back on Dr. Connie's House Calls with Dr. Julie Inay, who is the Love Soul Doctor. Talking about love and moving on, we're going to talk about divorce and How many divorced people remarry? So stay tuned on House Calls.
3: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
4: To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor?
3: When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States?
0: You can like and comment on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Facebook page. This is the place to get and share advice from some of the best leaders on the planet. Get started today by searching for Voice America Empowerment or click the like button under the player today.
4: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
0: tuned in to house calls with former white house physician dr connie mariano if you have a question or comment for our show today please call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 you may also send an email to dr connie at gmail.com that's dr at gmail.com now back to house calls with dr connie
1: Welcome back to our Love Radio Show here. And I'm talking with Dr. Julianne from A New Beginnings. We're talking about the topic of love. And we spent a lot of time about bereavement and grief. And it's really grieving who we were in that life with that person. But it also applies to divorcees. I was divorced after 29 years of marriage. I married my high school sweetheart. We remain friends. We we successfully parented two wonderful sons. We share three wonderful grandchildren. That person has remained in my life. That was a person who was my first love. And, you know, marriages fail for a reason. Relationships fail for a reason. I think the key is to move on without bitterness, to learn, and that we continue to grow. And at the point when I was going through my divorce, I was, I, I grieved. I grieved that there was a death of a relationship, that I thought I was a failure. Because I grew up in a traditional family that divorce was a no-no. You don't do that. You're going to get excommunicated by the church. And I so, but I had to because I was dying. Yeah. My soul was dying, and yeah. I needed. And I thought I would never date at all, but the universe had other plans, and I fell in love with John. And I never knew I could have loved somebody as much as I loved him. And but when we know, I look at my patients who've divorced. Do you know what percentage of divorced people remarry? You know, I don't have that statistic, but I was
2: updating my statistics with how long people remain married, and I was shocked, mm. really, really shocked by these statistics. Do you know that the longest um, marriages reside in Rome, Italy? Mm-hmm. Okay, And how many years do you think— they stay married for in Rome. About 50, 60 years, Catholic Church. 18 years. That's it? Is the longest average duration of marriage in the world.
1: That's 18 years? 18 years. Oh my gosh, because you always think your 25th wedding anniversary. Is it 18? Has it dropped over time? I was stunned. Oh my gosh. Okay. In Paris, 13 years
2: is the average length of marriage. In the United States, it's 12. 12, And, so, and, wow. and in Australia, it's also 12. So I was stunned by why, these statistics. Why do
1: you think that's the case? Uh,
2: you know, I really don't know. Um, I, I, think that, I think that this is a personal, and it's a professional. I see this in the clients that I work with. Too many times, people get married too quickly. They really don't explore foundational kind of questions as far as values and goals and Mm -hmm. compatibility. Mm -hmm. They just go by chemistry and that feeling of in love, and uh, believe me, I am just as much of a romantic as the next person. But you also have to be able to have a healthy relationship over time we don't learn how to have healthy relationships. Most of us come from family of origins where the interpersonal dynamics were dysfunctional at best. Mm-hmm. And we carry that forward into you know the most intense and the most vulnerable intimate relationship we have, and that is with a partner, a spouse. So We have this expectation that if we love someone when we walk down the aisle, that it is going to be enough. And there's not enough skills that help you to stay, you know, emotionally clean in a marriage that allow you to step into that beautiful space of emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, sexual intimacy. All of those areas are areas that people struggle with, yet those are the very really pieces of glue that I think keep us together when we go through life, which is very difficult. Okay, Life hits us with a lot of hard things and a healthy marriage is gonna help support each other through life. If you have an unhealthy marriage, it is going to rock you to your core. And so I think marriage is very, very tough. Do I believe in marriage? Absolutely. Do I believe that we can learn the interpersonal skills to be successful at marriage? Absolutely. But I think too many times people have an expectation that it should just work out, and they don't put the time and the effort into really learning, how do I relate to this person that I love in a way that feels loving to them? And how do I help them to know what my needs are so I can feel happy
1: and satisfied
2: over time.
1: You know, it's true. Nobody really trains you to how to pick the right partner, right? You know, where do you meet the right partner? How do you pick? How do you make the decision? And then how do you grow in a, And once you've made that decision, how do you grow in a marriage together, not apart? And all of those things that you
2: just talked about have to have at its core, you having a sense of self-worth mm-hmm. prior to finding that mate. Right. So many times people don't feel worthy of love. Right. They feel bad about themselves. If someone shows any kind of affection for them, they think, oh, my gosh, this is the best that I'm going to get. You know, it doesn't matter that I think he or she has a drinking problem or they don't know how to say I love you or they're being disrespectful. At least they're paying attention to me. So I think that, you know, a healthy union means that there's gotta be two healthy individuals that come together and then know how to relate to each other over time. And, you know, we want that long term forever marriage, but we don't recognize that in a long term marriage, there's never gonna be just one marriage. That marriage over 50 years is gonna be at least five different marriages. Yep. And it takes both people in that coupleship to be able to grow and change and reconnect based on this new configuration of how life has changed both of you. And you have to move forward together. And that's a tough task, not impossible, but it's something that we have to work on and cultivate really every day, and not too many people do that. And that's, therefore, these statistics.
1: You know, one of the things I, I observed in my life is there's someone you grow up with, and there's someone you grow old with. And it could be the same person if you're blessed, but looks like a lot of people, it's not the same person. I mean, the person I was starting off, first time I got married, totally different, younger, absolutely different over time. And You know, what comes to mind is that Jerry Maguire statement where they say to each other, You complete me. And I bristle at that because you don't want someone to complete you. You want to be complete in yourself. You want them to be supportive of you so that each of you can be the best you can be individually. But they don't, you know, fill a hole, I mean, that way. Maybe they love you so much, but they don't make you the whole person you're already a whole person yeah that that quote makes
2: codependence <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> sing because that is that's a typical kind of definition of codependency you know you complete me we mm-hmm. do need to be whole and we need mm-hmm. to come together and and a healthy union actually um, makes you know the, the the product of those two people greater okay in their in their love and in their resources and in their coupleship so we do want to be whole within ourselves and we want to Come together. And, you know, we want life to change us. We want to grow as we go through life. And it's hard to have two people that grow at the same pace. And it doesn't have to be that they grow in the same direction, but I do think that they have to grow at the similar pace in life, because otherwise, the person that you married at the beginning is is going to be very, very different than the person that you marry 15 years in or 30 years in. And to expect that that love is going to stay the same is, I think, impossible. I think too many times people end up um, denying themselves and denying their feelings to try to keep the relationship, you know, as a fit when it no longer is. And you end up feeling very empty and barren in that relationship. I think that that's what opens the door too many times to infidelity, you know, and and just people that are miserable and bitter. And that's not how we want to go through life. That's not what we want to model to our children. And I think we all, you know, deserve a better existence than that.
1: What do you, how do you share or how do you advise your clients how they can grow together? What do you, what do you recommend?
2: Communicate. Okay. Have the tough conversations, right? This is what I need. How are you feeling in this marriage? Are you happy? Are you fulfilled? Okay. And if you're not, let's work on it. Okay. You know, I think that too many times through especially the years of raising children, we get so busy that we don't intersect enough. We forget who the other person is. We don't share our emotional or our growth process. And then 15 years after the kids are now leaving for college, we don't even know who our partner is. We don't know what they thought on Tuesday of July 4th. We don't know what they thought, you know, when they lost their parent, you know, to death because there wasn't time to come together. So I I do think that couples need to make the coupleship a priority. And nobody can get lazy in marriage, okay? You have to work at it. If there are problems or issues, don't be afraid to go see a professional. I always want people to sit down on my couch way early in the process, right? Not when they're in a crisis, not when there's years of resentment and bitterness, because that's really, really hard to try to heal those wounds, right? To, to be able to then go back to that place of love and and kind of work from that space, so I really would hope that people look at relational therapy as, let me learn the skills to know how to love you better and over time, and how to ask you for what I need, because that's going to help me to feel loved and keep adoring you um, like we started out in life. Yeah,
1: it's so true. I, the advantage I had with John, we were friends first. And part of it is the commitment that we wanted this to work we wanted to work and actually we we work with a relationship therapist who'd work with him and it was about communicating because part of it is when you enter that new relationship how much of the old relationship and patterns do you bring in he would he would suggest something and then he would cringe and i would say what's the matter i was going to say yes he goes I was expecting you to stomp on that and say no, because I'm so conditioned to somebody refusing. I said, I would not do that because you've got to recondition. We are all a product of our past. And so, of
2: course, when we go into a second marriage, we're going to bring kind of memories of of those dynamics in the first marriage. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's human nature. But we need to have, first of all, a self-awareness, okay, that this is getting triggered from for me, this is not about my current relationship. This is about something that happened in my past relationship and then we need to communicate. We need to say, "Wow, I'm afraid to speak up because when I did in the past, it would get shot down. I'm afraid to ask you to hold me because my ex-husband never liked that physical intimacy." So, we need to be the narrator, right? We need to communicate this to our our spouse and then we Hopefully, we'll have a spouse that listens without judgment, right? And takes that beautiful gift of communication and says, okay, now I understand you better. I know how to love you better based on your needs and your history, and I love you enough to give that to you. And then I'm going to communicate back how I need to be loved and what some of my wounds and my bruises are from my past relationship. And, and what we're talking about is making yourself vulnerable, right? We're talking about emotional intimacy, going into that space where we're letting ourselves be truly seen. And we're handing our heart to somebody else and saying, please don't re-wound this. And in the ideal, they're going to pick it up and they're actually going to be a piece of repairing that heart. And that is going to make us feel safer with our spouse, want to come closer, and want to do the same thing in response. And to me, that's why or how you stay in love, right? That's how you stay attracted to the other person. That's how you just always want to be with them because it feels so good because you're with your best friend.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. The goal is ultimately to marry your best friend. And to maintain Maintain that relationship,
2: right? To maintain it so that at the end of the marriage, and it is possible that you are still with your best friend.
1: Well, that is the hope and wish for all of us to you. So we're actually at the end of our show, Dr. Julie. It went by so fast. And this is our Valentine to all of you out there that you will seek and find the love of your life who will be loving and caring to you. So with that, happy Valentine's Day and have a great week. (laughs)